Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to the 9320 Friday Show, the show that is staying very close to the toilet at all times as Derby Day approaches. As always, we're looking back and forwards, back at the atrocious performance at St Mary's and forwards, previewing hopefully the opposite type of performance at Old Trafford early on Saturday. Far too early on Saturday. To do so, I'd like to be joined by two Derby Day stalwarts. It's Asan and Chris. Good morning, Asan. How are you doing? Morning, Howard. I like, I, I like, I'm not sure if I like that intro. I was going to say I like that intro. I'm not sure if I like it. Which I'll, bit? The I, toilet talk? Yeah, the, the toilet talk. I'm going to, it's too early in the morning. I'm going to have to think about that. I'll let you know, I'll let you know later today how I feel about it. Well, by the time people listen to this, it'll be later in the day. It will, well, it will be as disgusting, but yeah, it's, uh, I do get a bit queasy under when I wake up on every day. I know you don't because you're a weirdo, so. Uh, Chris, good morning. Good morning. I'll tell you at 2.30pm on Saturday afternoon how I feel about your introduction, Howard, when the, game, when the, when the game's finished. <laughs> From trap number two in the yeah, toilet. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to look back at that uh, St. Mary's performance and what we take from it. Sorry about that. Uh, but the wider issues, more than uh, delving into key incidents and stuff like that. And of course, Derby Day preview. But first... Bit of a palate cleanser, perhaps. Uh, sat down last night and put the Chelsea match on, so that Jao Felix, or Chow Felix as he's now being called, was playing. Thought it was worth checking in Fulham. Chelsea's going to be an interesting match. And, of course, the rest is history. Chelsea have lost again. Uh, I think they started 14 points behind City in this match. I'm just wondering your thoughts, before we, we look at all things City, on uh, the situation at Chelsea. And mostly around Potter, who, you know what? I don't want Chelsea to do well whatsoever. <laughs> but Potter alike, and I did feel a bit sorry for him last night, Asan. Is he doomed, do you think? And more to the point why I said on WhatsApp, is he cursed? <laughs> Zakiri went off injured, obviously red card for Felix. <sighs> Some of this yeah, is I on mean, him. Some of this in- is on him, but not all of it, especially considering what a basket case club it is a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that you can be unlucky with injuries, but at the same time, I've not been massively impressed with the work that he's done so far. If I was the owner of that football club, um, I'd definitely be asking some questions. And, you know, a lot of times it's a results business. That's a cliche, but it's kind of true, but... A lot of times in situations like this, what I look at is the performances. You kind of look at the big players and you go, all right, who's putting it in for him? Who do you who do you feel like is invested in winning a game of football? And too many times this season, I've watched Chelsea play and I'm not sure that any of the players on the pitch are that invested in winning. Mm. Um, body language has felt a little bit off. Uh, and, you know... Guys like Potter who do fantastic work at smaller clubs, the the question about the step up, I always think that the intangible is the personality because you have to be a good coach to 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 get yourself the Chelsea job, for example, or the United job or the City job. Um, actually, I said I put United in there, and that's not true because they hired Solskjaer. Um, but you take my point. Generally, these guys, they come with a certain level of pedigree when it comes to coaching. And the question actually for me is always, when you get in that dressing room, 
can you, one, take with you the players that you want to take with you? And are you strong enough to jettison the players that you, that you feel aren't going to, aren't going to go with you? And I'm not, obviously it's so early with Potter. He's not had a transfer window as such, but I guess the problem he's got is when I'm looking at their transfer business, I'm going, Graham Potter's not signing the players. He didn't wake up on the 1st of January and go, I know what Mm. this team needs. It needs Jao Felix. Um, So, yeah, I'm not, although I have a little bit of sympathy for him, I think in the end he probably is doomed and it probably is a job that's a little too big for him right now and a little too complicated for him right now. Chris, your thoughts? Will it help? Is he? Do you think he's going to lose his job? And what should he be given more time? And additional question: Is it really going to help him to have another seventeen players come through the door during the January yeah. transfer window? I, th- I, 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 I categorically endorse giving um, managers time. And all you got to do is is look at. Arteta at Arsenal, who's finally found a formula after what was a very challenging for kind of, you know, first 12, 12 months for him. And I like Potter a lot. And I do, th- I do think he is the real thing in terms of that, that caliber of, of manager. Um, it's, it's, I, I think the big difference here is the club that he's gone to. Chelsea are a slight anomaly, I think, in the Premier League in that ever since uh, when Abramovich first took over, they adopted a more continental model of the way they recruited managers, which was basically, if you look at any managers at Chelsea, has any manager been there longer than three seasons? Mm. Uh, so so they are comfortable with the rotating door with, in, terms of, in terms of managing. And I think if you look, so, so when, 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 um, um, uh, when Tuchel was sacked, I was actually in London and I was staying at a friend of mine and my friend's partner is actually on the board at Brighton. And it, and it was all going round that, that, that they're coming in for Potter. And we had a conversation said, why would he go there? If United came calling, if City came calling, if, you know, maybe even Spurs came calling, I could understand. But we know that Chelsea have this very peculiar attitude to recruitment of managers in, in that they, you know, that it's, it's a revolving door and, and they can be gone as soon as they arrive, which is why n- nobody in the media hesitates by saying Potter could be sacked after a really short amount of time. And I think what can happen is that if you play at Chelsea, in some respects, possibly, does, the, does who the manager is become irrelevant? Because you know that they're likely to be gone after a poor run of form, and longer term they're not going to be there for a long time anyway. And I think that 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 maybe Potter should have thought more about that, the kind of club he's going to, and the infrastructure and the, and the new ownership. But obviously, I understand he went because of the profile, and it was an opportunity that might not come around again. Although I think it would have done if he continued to take Brighton forward. So I do feel sorry for him, but I think and, and injuries are a major concern. But after at this point now, I would look to be seeing some sort of pattern of play, mm. some sort of formation, a bit like Arteta did. Arteta was trying to get that formation and pattern with an Arsenal, but it wasn't working. But now it is working, and I was I'm waiting to see that with Potter, and I'm not seeing it yet. And recruiting someone like Felix for a loan for the end till the end of the season is an ex, it's just another example of the distractions that must be at that club. So I think it's a shit show. And and I wouldn't. I would if I was a professional football manager. I would I would 
bypass Chelsea at all costs. Just having a very brief look at their manager list. Last manager to last three years was, I think, Jose Mourinho, 04 to 07. So, but the longest was the manager before then. Do you know who that was, Chris? Yeah, Ranieri. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got four years at Chelsea. So yeah. after that, it's a long, long list of managers. And as you say, it kind of doesn't matter because a caretaker manager can win the Champions League and then get exactly. replaced. Yeah. So it's just yeah. no different rules for Chelsea. It just doesn't operate on the same way. And a new owner doesn't really, seems to become even more manic over there. So yeah, I I agree with Asan. I agree with what Asan said in that, he hasn't covered himself in glory, but then the injuries have hit that have kind of also made things worse and removed the opportunity for him to turn things around. So mm. I think for the injuries alone, he should be given more time. But who know? We don't know whether he will because it's Chelsea. It's a new owner. We've no idea. So we will see. Uh, did you watch the match, Asa? Um Yes, I did watch the match. Uh, you're a Jav Felix fan, aren't you? No. Oh, I thought I thought I'd seen you in a uh, dispatches uh, mention. No, 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 I'm 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 the lad that's been saying for three years. Can we stop talking about signing Joe Felix? I don't even know what kind of footballer he is. Ah, I right. still don't. I still don't really know what. Yeah, kind of what did what did you think of his performance? Then? Yeah, I thought I thought he was bright, and and he he's obviously got bags of technical quality. Um, and Fulham, the way that they play, it it was quite an open game, and that really suited him. But again. Like, for me, Chelsea have got a few players who fall into that not quite a striker, not quite an attacking midfielder basket. And he's just another one to add to the list. Now, that's not to say that he can't go on to be a success at Chelsea. Um, But right now, I don't see how that's what Graham Potter needed. Um, Yeah. Okay. Right, we'll see. Uh, I don't know what their fixture list. I think they've got Liverpool soon, have they not? So that yes. will be interesting. They've got Palace and Liverpool, and I believe that Felix has got a three-game ban because it was straight yeah. red. For, oh, yeah, yeah. So he's going to miss crucial games against Palace and against uh, uh, against Liverpool. Then they've got Fulham again, so they'll miss that. They've got Dortmund in the Champions League. That'll be... Uh, Interesting. Perhaps that's what does for him going out the Champions League. But we'll see. I did see Palace fans on Twitter going, "Oh, typical of our luck, they'll get a, a new manager bounce for the match at the weekend." But I think he's safe for the next <laughs> match at least. So. Well, I don't think that. I, I'm not sure that he gets as far as the Champions League. Um, mm. I'm. I'm a bit. Maybe I'm being harsh on him, and and maybe I'm. Maybe there's something that I'm not seeing. But my worry would be, regardless of the results. I'd look at those performances and go, we look worse than we did under Tuchel. And that's not good. Like if you, if you go back a year, Chelsea were meant to be challenging for the title. Um, So in 12 months for them to go from challenging for the title to be sitting in 11th, to be so far off fourth place that Champions League football looks like it'll be a real challenge for them next season. And then you factor in, because we, we we seem to not be talking about the volume of money that Todd Bowley and co have spent since last summer and the number of players that they've brought in. Now that's not always 
quote-unquote good for a manager. But you would think with such an array of players in your squad, you can find the cornerstones that you build a team around. And that's what I keep coming around to, is every time I see Chelsea play, it's a different 11 players. You don't really know players that you've seen play before are playing in different positions from before. I think Potter's a little bit flailing around in the dark trying to find the right combination of players and tactics to make this thing tick. But isn't that possibly symptomatic of, of the directives he's been given from his employers? Look at Tuchel. Tuchel brought them success because he didn't deliver what they wanted exactly last season. He was pushed out. And, and you know, when somebody keeps marrying and getting divorced and marrying again, you know, they should look at the person who keeps doing that. It, 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 the problem isn't the wives he keeps bringing in. The problem is him. And Chelsea op- occupied that position. I, is 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 what is Potter's remit? What has he been told that that he must do? And then Felix coming in, a striker for a half season loan. They're basically saying you come in and score goals because we need to improve our our, our position. They have short term goals. The one thing that Pep has always been told is you've got time. You've got time. Keep keep developing. Potter will not will not be told that at all. Um, has got the power though, obviously, because of his. CV, yeah. Of, of course, of course, but the, it's a contradiction in terms. You bring, you bring Chelsea, bring Potter in because they see him as as a progressive, developing manager, and they think they should be should be given the opportunity to manage a big club like Chelsea, and then they put the same expectation on him as uh, as they would a really seasoned Champions League winning manager who they who they, who can turn something around quite quickly. I think it's it's whilst Chelsea always remain a threat. I, I stopped taking them seriously a few seasons ago um, be, be, because they're such a short-term focus club. I mean, I, I would the one thing I would say very quickly um, is that if you look at when they decide to let go of Tuchel um, and you look at the managers that were available at the time, I, I don't think that there was a standout candidate that you looked at with a pedigree and went, well, he's the guy, he'll, you know, the, the, there's a reason Graham Potter ends up with that job. And it's not because Graham Potter's got a CV that demands he be taken seriously for that job. He got that job because around the marketplace of top coaches, there just weren't, a, Zidane wasn't interested. For whatever reason, they didn't look at Pochettino. And then outside of that, the the pool is is minuscule of top coaches that you could potentially go and get. I think the problem that Potter has right now is Luis Enrique's out of a job. And I think that if I were the owner of a football club and I had the opportunity to bring Luis Enrique to my football club, I'd bring him. I don't want to get all fanboy about it, but I think that he's, you know, up there with Pep and guys like that in terms of his ability to coach, his ability to transform a team, the type of football that he plays, um, the the kind of the environment that he fosters around in and around a, a dressing room. Uh, he's, I think he's the problem that Potter has got right now. Maybe I'm wildly off the mark here, but I imagine that if they let go of Potter, it'll be because Enrique wants the job. But I would say then, just to counter that, and I think it's a perfectly valid suggestion, 
and, and I know we want to move on, Howard, but I think mm-hmm. that if Luis Enrique is the caliber and intelligence of manager that we think he is, he may he may avoid yeah. Chelsea like the plague. I don't think play, he, not his players either, to be honest. Yeah. Anyway, I Potter must feel like Joe Royal at City at the moment, bumping into new players in the corridor yeah. all the time. <laughs> a squad. <laughs> A squad of 51 players he had at one point. Yeah, who's this guy that's just <laughs> said, yeah, said yeah. morning gaffer to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on. Let's let's talk City. Chris, I'm going to start with you because uh, me and Ace did the review did. yesterday. Yesterday being mm-hmm. Thursday. I've forgotten what day it is again. <laughs> forgotten what day it is as we record yeah. the Friday show. Uh, we did lay into Pep quite, I say lay in. You know, we criticised Pep as I felt was totally acceptable and yeah I thought we'd get some some criticism for that but pretty well received that podcast I think I think it said what most people were saying on my Twitter timeline during and after the match on Wednesday Mm -hmm. Uh, you went on that review of course so you can get to start from scratch now the dust has settled a bit on that match how do you feel about it there's not really much you can say is there apart from it was terrible it was, um, I mean, I think you and Ace uncovered pretty much everything. It was, a, it was a great review of that, and and and. But I, I felt kind of really empty after the game, um, and it, I thought it was the worst performance I've seen um, under Guardiola. Um, for for people always refer back to the Everton four 0 but the reason I don't think that was the worst is 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 in that game it was very evident that the reason we were so hopeless is because the players were just really still struggling to adapt to what Guardiola mm. wants from them. And when it misfires, as it did in that game, it goes badly, badly wrong. Whereas this one was just had a very different feel to it. Now, often the 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 the, the kind of um, people shoot from the hip and they, and, and they try to explain. And what they end up doing is trying to broad brushstroke what the problem is. I tend to always think in these situations, it's, it's often a combination of factors. And I think the thing that was, the th- obviously, you know, every player on the pitch was having a poor game in some way or another, and 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 that and and that that uh, that offered a lack of confidence in them, which becomes like a disease, which just courses through the veins of, of all the players. But f- but for me, um, as I was watching it with a friend, um, and. It was for me from the first minute. It was very evident what Southampton were doing. They were effect- they were effectively playing like a League Two side in a cup game, who knew that they were outmatched in terms of quality, quality on the bench, and technical ability. So they determined a very singular plan, which was we will press them, get in their faces, man mark them to the point at which we try and disrupt their flow as much as possible. And that can often work for the first 50 minutes of, of, of a cup tie. And then two things often happen is the, is, is the superior side score a goal and then the plots of the planet's killed or the, um, the, the, the lower league side become fatigued and can't maintain mm. that level of energy. Neither of those things happened on Wednesday night. Is that is that we didn't score a goal? They did score a goal, and 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 Southampton didn't become tired. And even to the very what ninety fourth minute, they were still in our faces the whole time. And I think the thing that I was getting agitated about is it's not very often that we face a high press from teams. Most most teams 
take the conservative route and will not do that. But we still get it sometimes and we still fail to navigate it. And with that high press, the same thing happens all the time. They press three up front, keeper passes it out, it goes to Laporte or, it go, or whichever other centre-half. They hesitate, they slow down, they don't they don't pick the courageous pass and they, and they don't do a quick pass either. We break the press by swift, courageous passing. So, so we bypass that press. It slowed it down completely. And then as soon as we got into that middle third, if we bypass the first line of press, got to the second press, we couldn't bypass it. That's why there was no service at all. And my frustration is, why can we not learn to, 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 to bypass this press? We do face it enough, particularly in the Champions League, to be able to, 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 to do that. Add the, add, add the ingredients of every player was having an absolute nightmare. Um, and it added the, the total, you know, the, the, the total of it was it was just a performance where, where my team was unrecognizable. Um, and it just left me feeling really an unusual feeling of emptiness and thinking, yeah, this probably, hopefully, this is going to be the tipping point for what has been a very erratic season so far, despite our position in, in the league. So, yeah. Me and I sound sad though on the review. If they're all having a nightmare, then Pep's got something wrong. Do you agree? <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll go over old ground, but of course it's Friday show, it's, it's fine to cover the same ground. Mm. Walker at centre-half, obviously Phillips as a debut, we're all fine about that. Mm. The shape and system was all just totally wrong, was it not, anyway? And that can filter through when players don't feel comfortable. I don't think the shape was wrong. I think some of the personnel in the positions they were placed in yeah. was were, were probably wrong. I I would say it, it was Pep's not getting away with this one, but then neither of the players. It was a collective effort to be shambolic, and we have to be honest with ourselves. Right when I went when I sat down to watch that game, I was I I had an air of complacency, thinking we will beat Southampton. Uh, oh yeah, and, I did. I said it yeah. in the review. I thought we can't lose this one. Yeah, despite yeah. everything else, you know, not be brilliant. I felt and our past record get at Southampton. Uh, I honestly felt, will we do this one quite comfortably? Yeah, yeah. and I think that that um, from from the evidence on the pitch, the team felt the same way, and Pep felt the the, the same way. The, the the lack of accuracy with the passing. It isn't just about technical flaws. That's about complacency that you feel you don't have to go the extra mile. You don't you don't have to push the extra yard. You don't have to increase the tempo a little bit. When we played Chelsea on Sunday, in the first half in particular, we knew we had to do that. We knew we had to we had to pass at a ferocious rate and get that energy. Because uh, it's not about for me it's it's not about pace. It's about it's about urgency. Mm. And when we did that in the first half, we look as if we're almost ignoring the opposition. We're just playing around them. But but it's very much an illusion. We are taking the opposition very seriously. It's just we're playing with a lot more urgency, so we don't give them the chance. I felt that against Southampton, there was complacency. I felt we were ignoring the opposition. We we didn't we, we didn't assume for a second they would present a strategy which actually would prove to. to to be successful. And the point at which they score the second goal, the team then goes into panic mode 
Of course, that's a contradiction of how Guardiola w- wants them to play. But there's something about, I'd love to know what was said in the dressing room at halftime. I'd love to know what approach he said, because all he seemed to do was change the personnel in those positions, but it didn't actually have much of an impact. So I think Pep has a big part to play in this, but I think it's a collective effort. Those those players are experienced enough and intelligent enough within that system to know how to navigate it when they hit when they hit an obstacle mm-hmm. and they didn't do it and Pep didn't do anything to tweak it sufficiently to turn the game around. So I think it's a collective blame. Hey, have Sam? you seen what have you no, seen what Guardiola said after the game? Go on. Uh, which bird? He said he said that um, he was asked about whether, in hindsight, he regrets not starting with Haaland and De Bruyne. Um, and he, to paraphrase him, he more or less went on to say that he had the feeling before the game uh, that they weren't right. And that even if he'd have picked a completely different team, the result probably would have been the same, um, which is a worry. I don't think mm. that, you know, I, I think that if he's saying that, well, the attitude wasn't right going in, coming into this match, and so it doesn't matter what what selection of players I would have picked, uh, that's not good. Is that's that, definitely uh, not a good thing. Is that for a Carabao Cup game, do you think, or just the generally, a general malaise then? That they're just not, that the, the atmosphere on the train game just wasn't right this week. Mm, I don't know. I, honestly, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I find myself where what two days on or a day and a half on, and and I find myself no closer to having any real answers, and not really much closer to knowing what's going to happen over the rest of the season. I, mm. I just, I'm genuinely at a little bit of a loss as to. I think what one of the things that probably in a weird way when i when i look back probably worries me a little bit more than it should about wednesday night is that you know one of the things that we're the the problem that we tend to face is the low low block right you come up against a really take the everton game for example you come up against a team that are basically playing with a back 10 right and they've got a sprinter up up top and the idea is we're never going to leave you any space we we face that more often than we don't and that's more or less what this season's system is built around it's built around the idea that well these teams aren't going to come out to play so we're going to set up a structure where we keep the ball but we are not susceptible to the counter attack but the flip side of that for me is the teams that we should be able to play against are teams that press because when they press they leave spaces and the spaces are the things that should excite us and should get us um, playing the best version of our football. And on Wednesday night, we just didn't. We just didn't. We, there was no the inability to pass the ball ten yards and the ability, the inability to build the play, was just not good enough. And as much as I was quite critical of Pep on yesterday's pod. I think that the if you look at Ilkay's comments after the game... Should I read them? Yeah, read, 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 read and out. Then you can continue. Yeah. We've won games, but I feel something is missing, something's off. At the minute, there's a special recipe missing. Performances, the desire, or hunger is not as in recent years. Hopefully it, the Southampton loss, was the right wake-up call. 
Now, just one thing, we have been here before. I remember Fernandinho making some passion. It might be before we beat Liverpool 2-1. I don't know if it was that season. Making a speech that turned the season around when it was a bit lacking and lacklustre on the training ground. It feels like we're in the same position here, Asa. Yes. Um, I would want to know why there's a lack of hunger and a lack of desire mm. in the side right now. I don't see um I don't see any reason why there would be I, I don't I don't look across the team and see personalities that are fickle I, I wouldn't I don't I don't class this collection of players as a collection of players who have got a brittle mentality there's nothing in the DNA and the makeup of this team that has been built that suggests that they would behave in that manner so those comments are also a worry for me because I'm like, if the attitude is wrong, why is the attitude wrong when the players mm. are not that mm. type of player? Is there There's, any bit frustration perhaps at how Pep's been lining up and results not well, coming and that feeds I, I, into morale on the training ground in a way? Or is that far say, too harsh, to be honest? Because, well, as no, you say, these are big personalities who have to take responsibility themselves as as well as the manager does. But but there's there's a couple of things out that really worry me. I don't like the way that when he, when he uses the special recipe missing, oh. it's almost like they're waiting for something magic to happen to appear. And the fact is, it doesn't. City's magical play is is, is conceals incredibly scientifically evolved mm. technical fo- football styles. There is something, though, if you look at the component parts of this season in particular, and I may just be like projecting here, but this, but, but, but I, I agree, Asa, we don't, we, we don't have fickle players. We all, you know, I've always said under Guardiola, we don't recruit dicks. We always recruit good players, good personalities, really exceptional characters. But there's a few possible kind of component parts this season, which are slightly different. You've got Haaland coming in, which obviously does, um, ch- in a really positive way, but it does disrupt the way they play a little bit. And also he's taken a tremendous um, percentage of that uh, external focus from the media and from and footballing world. You've got, you've got Silva, who is still banging on about maybe wanting a move. Gundogan maybe considering a move as well. De Bruyne is starting to go the other side of the hill in terms of age, in terms of career. Walker's looking at a young lad called Rico Lewis, possibly taking his his position. Foden seems to be slightly off it for whatever reason. Mahrez has been unsettled. And three all personalities the, left in the summer as well. Yeah, all, yeah all, those, all those component parts, that brew... May maybe slightly not uns, not not unsettling the the, the the dressing room, but just having a a slight impact on the culture. I've always said the most challenging um, task for any top class manager with a world class squad is to keep all those players happy and to maintain mm. success. We said it on the review. It's not. Yeah. I think the hardest part of management for, for someone like Pep is not gaining success it's doing it season after season after season there will be a tail there will be that burn crash and burn season as there is for Klopp as there is for every manager I'm not saying Um, this is it but it will happen there will be dips Mm. I I don't think sorry go on Chris 
No, I was going to say, and I think that, that you know, it, it may be a bit of a threshold point. I don't know. And just quickly about the Southampton game. De Bruyne and Haaland are the two players in our squad who take losses and poor play the most personally. And that's where they the immediate impact. But then you can't legislate for really poor crossing when Haaland's in the box and the ball gets played behind him. You can't legislate for Alvarez, you know, legitimately taking on the opportunity when he's played through, but, but missing as well. So again, combination of circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that, although I take the point about the things that have changed in address in the dressing room, whether it be Haaland coming in, whatever. But I think that those, I think the, the general ebb and flow of a dressing room, um, it, nothing abnormal happened. We, yes, we lost um, three personalities, but we brought three personalities into the football club at the same time. Um, I feel as though, I'm, I'm, I don't want to dig the players out, but I feel as though what Gundo said, the reason that it kind of bothered me is because I'm like, you know what, mate? I appreciate you saying that to me, but I don't want you to say that to me. I want you to go into the dressing room and fix mm. it because that's what you get paid to do because you are a collection of some of the best paid footballers in the world. And the reason that you're the best paid footballers in the world is because you're some of the most talented footballers in the world. So yeah, you can have, you can have a down moment. Everybody can have a bad week or even a bad month. I'm not worried about that. But when you say there's something missing, there's something, you know, that, that there's a special recipe missing or something like that. Bro, don't talk to me about that. Get get yourself in a in a training and and refined it. And from uh, if I were Pep and I was reading those comments, I would also be looking at myself and going, my job is to help them find that special recipe. We've seen a lot of tough love from Guardiola in the last few months. This season as a whole, there's been a hell of a lot of tough love. Maybe that's not working right now. Maybe right now the likes of Phil Foden or Jack Grealish or name any player that you feel is having a little bit of a dip in form. Maybe what they need right now is an arm around the shoulder. Maybe what they need right now is not the threat of, you know, I don't want to see bad faces in training. Maybe they need something else in this moment. I think that there's a, for me, the, the Derby is the ideal game to not just rally the troops but to find a collective consensus i don't want to mm. get like you know hippie about it but get in a circle <laughs> right <don't>. no <laughs> but but it, it they require uh, in my opinion they require a little bit of an intervention on that level where somebody needs to get them all in a circle and go what's the issue here because we're not talking about difficult things we're talking about simple things if you're not doing simple things right, we're never going to be able to get to the point in the game where you need to do the difficult things right. But if you're not doing simple things right, then something's wrong. And everybody, the the, the forum should exist. And I hope that training, because I guess that they won't train yesterday, but I hope that training this morning, the first thing is Guardiola going, what's wrong? Like, mm, why are well, you? why have you got faces like slapped asses? Why are the performances so erratic? What don't you like? It, I, sorry, go on, Howard. No, Gundogan's a club captain. 
Do mm. you think that's why he's said this publicly? Yeah, is, definitely. Is he capable yes. of that Fernandinho speech? Definitely. Yes, I definitely. Think so, yeah. And I think, and you know, it's funny, and I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying this. As I was falling asleep last night, in my head, I had a vision of Haaland walking back into that dressing room at full time on Wednesday night. And to be honest, the type of character and personality he is, I imagine he had things to say mm. at the full time whistle because he's just arrived and he's a winner. And he absolutely hasn't come here for a season of transition. And I don't think he's going to have it. So, and I just, I feel we have enough characters in the dressing room to deal with this and solve this. And if the issue on some level is stemming from decisions that Pep is making, I believe we have the characters in the dressing room to look Guardiola in the eye and go, mate, you're going to have to change the way that you're doing a few things as well. And just to I, clarify, yeah. sorry, before you speak, Chris, yeah. we would never have this discussion about a Carabao Cup defeat in the past. But no. the, the way the review revolved was, this is symptomatic. Some yeah. of it is symptomatic of that performance of wider issues because it has been a pretty average season masked mm. by a lot of Erling Haaland goals. And I picked out under half of our games where we played very well. Uh, now, of course... We're in the we're in the mix for all the big stuff that can easily be turned around, and we have the players. But I think I think this is key because it's all about why Pep signed that new contract and why he waits to sign contracts. He did it, I think, after that Fulham game where he saw the reaction from the players to turn that game around with ten men, and he saw that desire from the players. And it's all gone a bit stale since then. But as I said, you know. It's the hard, I think it is the hardest thing for a manager to do to like won what four out of five titles it, to keep I it mean, fresh is so hard. I agree, Howard, but I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that all that kind of performative talk from Guardiola about you know I've got to wait the players react to decide if, what my future will be. All of that stuff, it just feels a little bit performative to me. Ultimately, the relationship that he has with Bagheristein, with Soriano, with Khaldun, he doesn't need to roll like that. Guardiola can sign a 10-year contract and have a break clause in it every summer, and and that would also be absolutely fine. I think that he knows that, and the club know that, and I think that what we, what I believe maybe Pep occasionally undermines himself a little bit is by making so much of it this kind of idea of, well, I'm only here until they react to me. And if they, if the players stop reacting, he said it two weeks ago, like in some random press conference that had nothing to do with anything. He's come out with the line of uh, the contract isn't worth the paper that it's written on. If the players don't react to me, I'll be gone at the end of the season. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not convinced that, that is the right attitude. I struggle with that attitude because it's passive aggressive because effectively exactly. what he's saying is if I, if I start to fail, it's the player's fault because they don't react to me. Exactly. I, I think we've got enough experience and, and skill set in, in the bank that we can navigate having an erratic season. That's where we're still second in the table. Um, still in the F, we're still in the FA Cup and we're, we've, we've qualified for the knockout stage of the Champions League. That, that's the sort of default standard we should, we should be looking for. When we think about what are the solutions to this, and you both talked about this in the review yesterday, is that 
I, I always, I always try and avoid the cliches about football, particularly in terms of selection and formation and, and, and the sort of narrative and, and the longevity you need over the season. But I also think that one of the issues this season, because uh, we've not been played that much with injuries, one of the issues is, is that Guardiola has made a more concerted effort than in any other pre- of his previous seasons with us to try and play all 22 or however many players we have in the squad mm-hmm. to try and get to, for, the, to, for them to all get as much playing time as possible. On the, uh, w- on, uh, with the idea that we're going to need all these players at some point. But actually, if you look over our successful seasons, it's never really worked like that. We've usually had a core of seven to eight players who are always starters. And then we've had the luxury of being able to select from a fantastic bench. So when I I look at a bench for any game, I want to be saying, look at that, look at that, look at that armory we've got, should we need to call on it? And what I think is happening this season is Pep's looking at it and saying, look at all those players we've got to try and find some game time for. And I do think that's had an unsettling impact. If 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 any player, if they don't know whether they're going to start a game or not, mm. will will be unsettled. Under Pep, you know you've got to earn it and keep it. But I but I think it's that even when they have a f- fantastic game, they might not start the next game to follow the ethos of we need to, you need to let your teammate play. I think that becomes problematic, and that's it doesn't the root be- of the. That's the root. Yeah, of the problem. and it Sorry, doesn't become. Yeah, it doesn't become. It doesn't bring the best out in players. So when we're looking forward, I I I want Guardiola on Saturday to pick his strongest team and not make any substitutions unless he needs to. My my concern is. He might not know this season what he thinks his strongest yeah. eleven is. We don't know what all well, the defensive core. We don't know what it is. No, he's not played the same defensive lineup or any defensive lineup more than three times, and that doesn't about 15 help. Fifteen combinations. Yeah. That doesn't help a defense, nor does it help a goalkeeper either. And that ripples. So you start with a defense. Everything, everything leads from there, basically. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we did mention that quite a lot. Oh, one of the main points is the rotation of players. You've got to have some, uh, and being stocked with centiles can actually be problematic. I mean, we'd lost mm. Laporte for six months. Uh, Diaz is out of course. Stones in the back of the mind for you know for manager and cheeky for Pep and cheeky and whatnot is like he could have an injury around the corner at any point, and of course he's had one this week. He's not fully fit. And we're praying he is for Saturday. So you can understand the recruitment, but it can be problematic. But also, lead up to that, is being weak in fullbacks, which we're tired mm. of talking about now. You've got centre halves playing at fullback. You've got fullbacks playing in centre halves. You've got fullbacks going into midfield, which of course can work quite a lot. It's all over the place at times. And it, you know, it looks like tactical genius when it works, but sometimes it looks a mess. And players, rely on stability and knowing being comfortable in the role and knowing where their teammates are all the time and other teams yeah I think Liverpool's success was built on that everyone sits in the same position and knows where everyone else is play the Mm. same side week in week out that of course leads to bigger burnout in the long term perhaps but there's just a lack of Southampton was so telling I don't think a lot of the players knew what they were supposed to be doing or where they were or what their teammates were going to do some of the time 
Liverpool's downfall was that one as soon as players in that first 11 started to falter or got injured, mm. didn't have the depth of the bench to replace it. We do. We Every do. Every system have that. has its pros and cons, of course. Yeah. Every but we approach do, we, does, yeah. We do have that store. We do have that, you know, that, that kind of butter mountain of players that we can bring on to do that. But you just, it, it, it's that lack of consistency is clearly showing at this point in the season. It can be solved, and we're at a point in the season that we're not even halfway through. It can be solved, but I've not but Wednesday for me set a new precedent because I just saw players who who, who were who were not connected to yeah. the to the approach to the game. And I don't and think that I don't think they've got confidence in the decisions that that Pep is making right now. And that's mm. maybe where it's a little bit chicken and egg in terms of you want to be critical of the players because ultimately it's their job to go out there and perform. But also you kind of got to be critical of Pep in terms mm. of going, well, look, it's your job to instill confidence in them and they don't look confident. And that I know that, I know that there's this, I know that there's a general idea that City haven't been great this season yeah and I'm okay with that in part the performance performances have been a little bit bitty but at the same time I would argue September and October there weren't really any issues there wasn't really a, you felt as though coming out of October we were getting ourselves to we were getting to a good place I mean you know, you, you can, I know that the, everybody uses, the, everybody uses the Derby as kind of the, 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 the peak of that first part of the season, but we were scoring loads of goals and it wasn't just about Haaland. We were managing to control games of football defensively and score bags of goals going the other way. And we looked confident and we looked like we knew what we were doing. It wasn't, I feel as though there's been this kind of almost revisionist attitude that the whole season has been a bit shit and the team just haven't played well. I just fundamentally dispute that. When I went back yesterday and I began to look through early season results and think about early season performances, we've gotten worse. And that is why I'm kind of looking at Pep and going, you've got to fix this, bro, because this isn't a this isn't a case of, well, we brought Haaland in and we just don't know how to play anymore. We were playing just fine in, in September and October and we were certainly headed in the right direction. So what what have we lost? Yeah. I Is think it a that, case of over-rotation? I think it's interesting you say about Pep being open to criticism. I absolutely endorse that. A, a progressive leader, or in, in Pep's case, a progressive football manager, is not a person who doesn't make mistakes. It's a person who does make mistakes, but when they make them, doesn't duck them, addresses them, and navigates them and, solve, and solves that problem. And that's and when you when you see leaders or, or football managers with long long successful careers, that's what they have done. Have addressed the mistake. They're not afraid of. They're not afraid of their mistakes. Part part of being courageous and innovative and a pioneer is that you make mistakes to get to that point. At the minute, it, I, I won't, whether you whether you you know robustly refer to it as a mistake, but but Pep's management isn't working as successful as it's worked before just at this this specific you know six week period 
you're right. We we have di- our standards and and our and our quality has dipped. Fortunately, it's not it's not impacted on our lease status too much, but it has dipped. So he has to address it, and that's what I would. If I was an employer, if I was employing Pep, I I would expect him to you know to be candid and say. It's not quite working. I need to address this. Mm. And so we shouldn't be afraid of saying, Pep is making a mistake here or something's not right, but it's Pep Guardiola. He will solve it. He's solved it before. So that's Mm. why I'm not too anxious. I just, what gives me a little bit of concern is how, how quickly he can solve it because there is a concern there. I think he can solve it quickly because I think that what part of what we're, Again, like when I when I went back and I began to look at lineups and performances and actually where does this what we consider to be a rot or a malaise, where does it begin to set in? Unfortunately, it it begins at Anfield. Unfortunately, seven days before Anfield, we take a team apart playing a regular formation with our regular team. And then seven days later in what at that point post is the biggest away game of the season we played so far, he disappears so far into his own head and concocts such an inane tactical setup that Mm. the entire team first half at Anfield look like they don't know what they're doing. Mm. And for me, that was the first domino to fall in terms of everything that's happened subsequently. Because before that, I'm fine. I look at everything before that and I go, it's okay. Like, you know, you you don't win every single football game that you play and you don't play at nine out of 10 in every game that you play, but are you heading in the right direction? Does everybody know what they're doing? Are you building up ahead of steam? And the answer to all of those questions going into the Liverpool game at Anfield was absolutely, yeah. Like I just, you look, you go, those results in October, you slap United by six, you put five past Copenhagen, you put four past uh, Southampton, you then go to Copenhagen, you play the most rotated side you can play and take the nil-nil because you've got Anfield coming up. But then you go to Anfield and you throw in something that is so far off the beaten track in terms of selection, tactical setup, everything. It's so far removed from everything that you've done up until that point in the season. If I was a player, I would have some questions. Mm. I would definitely Mm. come out the back end of that game going, what did we just do? And my problem with it, and maybe this is why I get, I'm so asked about that game is if you look at Liverpool's results and performances since our game at Anfield, they're the same shite they were then. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference is that we basically played like it was peak Liverpool from 1920 mm. or something like that. Mm. And it just, yeah. Finally, Sorry. before we look forward, Chris. We said, you know, a lot of this on Pep for the performance. Were there any player performances that gives us clues to the future that worries you? Or do we just write off that game and see what the response is against United? You, you can't... If you if you choose to write off a performance like that, in what, one perspective is forget about it, move on, it's gone, put it right on Saturday afternoon. But, but there's still... The, 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 you're just kind of kind of putting a band-aid. That, that you can't just ignore that performance. There's something there. One fantastic performance against United won't change that. It'll help. 
it'll create a certain spirit and an at- atmosphere in the environment in in in, in you know on the training field it, it, across the media they'll they'll you know that that's what they'll focus on rather than how wretched we were on wednesday but it can't just be put right because because then we're suggesting it's a really simple problem i i, I think that 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 when you, when you're managing people things don't just flicker the switch you've got to do it kind of slowly what i am encouraged about is that we've got such a foundation in terms of our attitude and winning mentality that we're not starting from ground zero um, with this but some of the players there was you know cancello i've never seen anything like it you know it it was mm. it was it was just a, it was it was really really poor and as the game went on i saw pe- i saw players confidence just deteriorating really um and and you know so, so i couldn't give anybody any props at all i mean all i would say is like kev came on had an immediate impact but then was drawn into that general sort of mediocrity really for for for, for the rest of the game so no there was nothing um there was there was there was no there was no value or benefit from that game at all and and no players stood out for me at all uh, i hope we're overblowing the problem um but again that's what people get paid for that's pep that's pep's job to to to, to do that the derby in a way is the worst and the best game that can come after this game um because of the opportunity it presents but also because of the challenge it presents Okay, the Carabao Cup is forgotten its history. <laughs> and we don't like it anymore. Anyway. We hate it. It's gone. We, 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 we're so past the Carabao Cup. We did it for like four times, so we're just so yeah, past it. Mickey Mouse it. Cup. Yeah, so. who, what, who cares? Let's look forward. It's the Derby. Asan, hey, how are you feeling about the impending Derby day? One day um, away. Not great. Probably the first time since Guardiola took over at the club that... I don't really know what we're going to get. And I'm not, if, if it was a percentage thing, I've still, I still feel there's a bigger percentage chance that we see a huge reaction and we win. Um, But it's not, I don't have my usual confidence. And part of that is because normally I can look at a selection that almost picks itself and wins the game itself and unfortunately, right now, I don't have that in my head. I don't really know what the best team to pick is because there are quite a few players who look like they've got almost no form. Like, Haaland's not played for a while. He's got no form. Um, Mares is probably the only attacker that's got anything approaching form, and he's not played uh in in a week or so so yeah i'm i don't know i don't really know what to expect and i I don't find myself brimming with confidence i think what i need is i need to see firstly a team sheet tomorrow at half 11 that makes sense to me on paper and then when the game kicks off i want everybody to be playing in positions that they know how to play in and if that happens then my confidence might go up a level but yeah as, as it stands, I just don't know. Yeah, you'll see the team sheet and think, oh, that looks good. And then exactly, think, what's Cancelo doing at centre half? But then, I mean, I just, if Cancelo's I, name was there, you wouldn't be feeling good, would he? So, well, it, you know, I, I guess that, and it, 
I guess the thing is that, and we, we should take a valuable, valuable lesson from what happened on Wednesday night in that it's okay to have one eye on the fact that the team that you're going to play might park the bus, but you've got to be ready for if they don't park the bus. And that's probably my bigger, biggest fear right now is that if United turn up tomorrow and they want to play and they want to be aggressive and they want to try and press higher up the pitch, then we have to be brave and we have to be aggressive and we have to play through them. We can't be docile. You can't mm. like that. This idea of control, it only works if the opposition play dead. So if United don't play dead tomorrow, it might well be that we can't control the game. So if you can't control the game, you're going to have to accept the fact that it might be a bit of a basketball game and you have to set your team up accordingly. And so I'm, it's the ideal game for us to bounce back, but it's also the most complicated game for us to bounce back with because United will be bang up for it. They will smell blood. They will fancy themselves and we will have to be ready for that. Uh, Chris, things that work against us, dreaded 12.30 kickoff time, perhaps. United competency at last. They've won eight on a row, though hardly stellar opposition on the whole. But that, if you are lacking confidence for this game, then I guess, well, obviously it's not just about City, it's about the opposition. Mm. Finally, having a team that, you know, and they've, they've won, obviously, <laughs> in the past when you thought they shouldn't win, because uh, it is Derby Day, Nothing makes sense a lot of the time. Logic goes out the window. We've won as massive underdogs, of course, in the past. But this is finally a team that City should be fearful of. Yeah, I think Wednesday's result doesn't change the fact that United are in a good place at the moment. And so the, the opposition that we face, n nothing has shifted uh, despite what happened on, on, on Wednesday. I think that it's the, f it's the first time in ages where United have got a manager whom I take seriously. I've struggled to mm. take a lot of their managers seriously recently. They they are in a good place. They I, I think confidence plays such a significant role in 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 a team's prowess uh, on the pitch, and um, I guess it's about significance. And significance of a fixture can be invented a little bit sometimes. This you know United are not far behind us. So if they were to win the game on tomorrow afternoon, they'd be one point behind us with the same amount of games played. So, so, so there is a, it's significant for United. United's confidence is high. They feel like the plan that Ten Hag has, has, has proposed is starting to pay dividends. You look across that squad and actually there's some really good players in there now, which is, which is manning, managing to, to gel. Ten Hag isn't making any concessions. That's why, you know, Maguire's getting so few uh, minutes. And then, and obviously added to that brew is, 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 is the result on Wednesday and, and this kind of, you know, slightly lazy narrative that, that, that City aren't quite, um, you know, firing on all cylinders at the minute. Co combine all those things together, and it does intensify the, you know, the 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 kind of the the challenge of the of 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 that particular um, uh, that, that particular fixture. But it's you know, it's I'm glad that United have a team that I wouldn't say I don't fear them, but I take them seriously. Mm. Um, and, and I think that, that, that City's players need to do the same thing. Don't fear them. Take them seriously. But United will, if United 
play low block, I'll be stunned. They won't. I, 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 they there's won't, there's no way they're going to come. And so I'll know within the first three minutes how City are going to respond is that if, if Edison gets the ball, plays it out to one of our centre-halves and they've got a front three pressing, you know, Martial, Rashford, whoever it's going to be, Anthony, whoever it's going to be, if we hesitate with our passing and our, and our midfield don't show themselves and go hiding, I think we're, we're in trouble here. If we play quick, swift, intelligent and courageous passing to bypass that first press, I feel much more comfortable. I think it might be a back and forth game, but I, I think we can I think we can exert a level of control by not letting United have the ball, even if it's a ferocious pace. When you keep the ball, you are exerting a level of control. And so that was doing that. Against Southampton, we failed categorically to, to, to do that, even though the, the percentage possession stats suggested otherwise. We, we were never in control of the game. Mm. You know what worries me, though? I, I don't think that... Um, I think that we've, more often than not this season, we, we tended to play with this idea of we have to keep the ball and we have to control the game. Uh and I, d- I genuinely don't think that United will let us do that tomorrow. I genuinely think that United will go. It will suit Man United if we play Grealish Mares, for example. Yeah. Um, mm. and we play Rodri and, and, and Bernardo as the two, uh, with, with KDB kind of floating. I think that will, I think that will suit them because they'll go, well, they've got nothing running in behind here. All of these lads want to run back towards their own goal. So we just, we just, you know, if they're, if their fullbacks are aggressive on our wide players, which I expect that they will be in terms of how high they press, it could get a little bit nervy for City. And I think that this is where in the, that I've I've listened and I've read and I've seen all of the things about how City are changing the way they play to accommodate Haaland and Guardiola said we have less control because we have one less midfielder uh, and we have one extra attacker so we have to find different ways to control games all of that stuff is fine in theory and all of that stuff is fine when you come up against sides who you expect to park the bus and be you know very defensive, but United aren't going to be that. Something that dawned on me yesterday, United's next four league games are City, Palace twice, and then Arsenal. If you're Ten Hag, you're sat in that dressing room going, if you win those four games, you're in the title race. No question. Absolutely no question. If Man United beat City, beat Palace twice, and then beat Arsenal they're in the title race. Mm. So we have to, in my opinion, we have to go there tomorrow and we have to be aggressive and we have to be attacking and we have to be front foot and we have to go, you know what? We're just a, we're just a, a better side than you and we're a better drilled team than you and we're going to lean on what it is that we're good at. Now, whether we do that or not is a whole other question, but that's the mm. way that I'd be approaching it. If we go there with the Anfield attitude of, you know what, I'm going to do some tactical tactical wizardry here and I'm going to make sure that we're very solid and that we can't be counted on, we'll lose control of that game. Mm. The Anfield game, if Cancelo doesn't commit, and it ends nil-nil, would you still have been negative about the whole approach? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We should have, we should have yeah. beaten them. We should yeah. have beaten absolutely. them. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm, I can't think of many games in the Guardiola era uh, that have enraged me in terms of uh, selection and setup in the manner in which that Anfield game did. Are United as there for the taking as that Liverpool team were when we went to Anfield? No, no. I don't. I don't think no. so. So if we no. if we played out a, a nil nil that was similar I'll take to a draw the now. You, would, a draw you wouldn't be as negative about nope. it because nope. we're playing a more a side on the up rather than a side on the down. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I, I want, I, I don't think, I genuinely think the state that we're in right now, a point is a really good result at Old Trafford. To go there tomorrow, the early kickoff, having what happened on Wednesday happen, I'd if you if you offered me a point now, I'd take it. Genuinely. I'd take a point so. if they had one point all season, United. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take me to half two on Saturday yeah. afternoon at a, a dour nil-nil game where no team had a shot? I think I think something that's worth considering. Just just referring back to what um, Aisan's saying about control, I think the notion of control can be really misinterpreted sometimes um, because because it obviously it's about possession, but it but it's also about something that's happening off the field, and it's really it's really uh, distinctive. To, uh, a characteristic to the way we play space is such a fundamental element in the way Guardiola plays but it's overlooked all the time there's a reason why our our style of football does not necessarily include lots and lots of dribbling uh, mazy dribbling runs from players and that's why Grealish, I think, has had such a difficult time. Sometimes it's there. Sometimes if we need to un- unlock the door, if there's a low block, it's there. But but what it's largely about is creation of space by getting the opposition players to, to commit. Break the first line, break the second line. And that's where you move the ball quickly and players go into space and we keep control. That's why I do struggle with Guardiola saying about we've had to da- adapt to the way that, that Haaland plays because we've got one less midfielder. Because what Haaland, when he's not on the ball, what he does is create space by drawing defenders. So there's then a space that, that another player from City can occupy to bring the ball forward. So I think that it's always, it's not for me, it's not about pace, it's about movement of players and how, and how you progress that for, forward all the time. And I think that is aggressive in itself. When we played Liverpool, I felt we, in the league game that we lost, I felt that we sat back and waited to see what Liverpool would present and then we would respond to it. So we were reactive rather than proactive. We need to be proactive tomorrow. Make the space, constant passing, passing with urgency and intelligence. They will not be an easy opposition to play against. I Part of me says, take the draw, be pragmatic, you're in a difficult phase. But I also know that we are a better side than they are. And so I'm conflicted about mm. what I'm... If we get a draw, it gives an opportunity for Arsenal to go another to go seven points ahead again. Forget the result in a way. You want to see a performance. Mm. And also... A I performance where you actually to... lose and you think, well, fair enough. Yeah. Because football doesn't work out how you always expect it I, to. But what I would it be think... worse in a way is getting a draw and being lucky to get one. Yeah. I don't think we're built to... to, to um, to draw if that makes sense like i don't mm. we're not a team that can go into a into a tie and go well you know what we've come for a point and we're only taking a point we went to anfield with the attitude of we've come for a point and we'll take it and we got mugged off and we got made to look like chumps for that 
And so for me, the idea that you take a point at the end of the game is not the same as saying you go into the game playing for a point. We have to go there tomorrow with the attitude of we, our attitude needs to be much better. Our quality needs to be much better. Our the, the, the entire level of the performance needs to be much higher than it has been since the World Cup. Um, and that's the, for me, that's the roadmap to, to, to winning or even to getting a point. That's the roadmap. Uh, the laughing off air, City are odds on to win this match with the bookmakers. So make of that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> They're always wary of City, I think. You never get odds on them because they've been there and done it. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. I, I just thought I'd look it up and I was absolutely shocked that I think, yeah, it's like mm. three to one plus to win this game, you, which are I, similar odds to previous seasons in a way. But this one does feel different. It feels like a tougher match, but. There could be no problems with motivation for this one. And of course, a very different team will step onto the pitch. I mean, just name-wise, than did on Wednesday night. Mm. Are you worried, Chris, that Pep would do something that field? I think it's time to discuss the team we want to see out on the pitch and perhaps mm. expect to see out on the pitch. Um I'm always worried that Pep's going to do something left field. <laughs> back to basics. Will you go back to basics? Yeah, I mean, I I think that we've we've talked a lot about this about this notion of muscle memory. Something that that I mentioned in that first half against uh, Chelsea uh, at Stamford Bridge about muscle memory plays a, does play a significant role in football. I don't I don't want Guardiola necessarily go back to basics. What I want him to do is to think about you know to hit hit on those muscle memories. I have a very clear idea of who I want to be the start in 11. It doesn't. Okay. So it doesn't, and it doesn't necessarily chime with form at the moment. What it chimes with is, is how I think the formation will work best because I've seen Guardiola trying to play a certain formation, but, but, but he's got, he's got square pegs in round holes. Yeah. Well, just so, before you do, I think Asa said yeah. it's harder than ever to pick that lineup. At the moment, but I think Wednesday kind of made it easier in a way. Yeah. So, really? so I think, well, no, I, it? yeah, just the old, I, I, the, the old, the old predictable 11. I mean, there's a couple of question marks, but go on, Chris. I think, yeah, you'll, you'll see where it's leading. Okay. Uh, part, so, so, so this 11 is about, Thinking about what United's threat is, hmm. thinking about who I want to see on the bench because of the impact they can have if they come on. So I would, I, I, if, if, if fitness permitting, I would go Walker, Stones, possibly Laporte, or possibly a Kanji. I'm, not sure, I'm still not sure what possibly Laporte, and I would bring Cancelo in. And the reason is, is that. Guardiola will insist on when we've got possession of the ball, we put a, a fullback in the middle. And I want that fullback to be Cancelo. Now, someone might say, well, make it Rico Lewis because he's showed an aptitude for that. But I want, I want Walker on the pitch for one reason or one reason only, Marcus Rashford, because that's what he offers. And I, and I have enough, I think now that, I think Stones is now the elder statesman of that defence. I want him in. And Laporte has some of the best distribution. Going forward, I want Rodri, um, I want um, uh, De Bruyne and I want Bernardo. I want Bernardo over 
Gundogan because Bernardo loves the derby. He's proved it time and time again. He can be that rat in the midfield, mm. but also the, the impact that Gundogan can have as a substitute when we need him, I think is more impactful than, than what Bernardo can have. And then up front... Um, I want Grealish, Haaland, and Foden. Despite Foden's slightly erratic, erratic form, because I want pl- because I want us to be pushing behind the fullbacks, and I think that obviously Foden will do that, and I think Grealish working with Cancelo will do with that. That goes a lot against current form, but that for me is the best. It's starting eleven in terms of muscle memory and in terms of playing that particular derby fixture. Can so I, shock please, you? I don't think he's played that front three as he since the derby. No, he hasn't. So it, it it ain't it probably isn't happening. Let's put it that. And way. also, Mares I mean, it isn't played, happening. So Mares hasn't played since uh, hmm. since the Chelsea league game. So th- there's no doubt that he will he will start tomorrow. Before you go on, Asan, on Wednesday. Yeah, before you go on, Asan, with your thoughts on that, that 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 is where I was kind of leading. So. We don't, we're doing this way before the press conference, so we don't know about John Stone's fitness. Hopefully it's very little and he's been saved for Saturday, but you never know with John Stone's. So we're assuming he's fit. Otherwise, it's maybe a Kanji report. Uh, did you say Ake as left-back? Sorry, Chris. No, conche- no, no Concello, because... Uh, the reason the, the reason is is that is that the default now is that when we have possession mm. we go back we go back three and full back in the middle. I want that to be Concello, but uh, but also when we go forward, when the full back does overlap or do, Ake doesn't offer anything. No, he doesn't. He's he's not that. prone to offensive uh, option, but I think Ake plays. I don't think Can- I know Cancelo has been played all over the place, so. Putting back to left back, we might get some return to form, but his b- bad form extended way beyond before the World Cup. I can't see him playing. So where I was leading was Ake, Stones, Laporte, let's say Walker. There's a Rico mm. Lewis debate to be had, of course, if he's ready for this game. Many would say yes, he's the one, but I would put Walker in with the pace threat. Uh, absolutely. Rodri, Bernardo, KDB, Haaland. And then the other question mark again, yeah, is Mares probably plays and then Foden perhaps on the left, but you might go no with Grealish. No so chance. I think a lot of the team does pick itself, but there is still debate to be had over two or three positions, Asan. So I, there's no way that Foden will start. He played 90 minutes on Wednesday. It's an early kickoff on Saturday. Mm. Guardiola left him on the pitch and took Grealish off because obviously Grealish is going to play at the weekend and Foden isn't going to play at the weekend. Um, I think the same thing with Mares. Like you, you obviously having not played since the Chelsea league game, he'll start. Um, I, I just, uh, that, that, uh, that whole idea of, you know, he played in the, sorry, he played in the Chelsea FA Cup game. Who did? Maras. Yeah, he came up. No, he started. He won the. Free, he got the free kick. Oh God! Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. My apologies. My apologies. And the, away from home, Grealish Maras is different to Everton at home, mm. uh, and he will go with that. Do, do you think Foden's earned the right to start the game? Maris? I don't think there's any difference between Grealish, Foden, Maras in terms of their overall level of performances in the last. Eight weeks, you know, notwithstanding the World Cup. I, I don't think that there's one player out of those three who goes, well, I'm obviously 
the guy who's in form. You could argue Mares is in form um, because of the the performance in the in the FA Cup game, uh, but I, I don't know. Like, honestly, I'm. I just I think, and maybe I'm wildly wrong, but I think the problem, it, it, the the malaise, whatever you want to call it, it's down to a lack of vibrant attacking football and. That yes. on some level is connected to the selections and the tactics. Mm. And so if you say to me, the team will be Walker, Stones, Laporte, Cancelo, Rodri, KDB, Bernardo, Mares, Grealish, Haaland, and then you say, what do you think will happen? I've got no idea what will happen. We haven't scored many goals away from home, and that includes three at Leeds. So mm. they dried up quite a lot away from home. But I just the Foden question, Chris. Sorry if you're going to say something else. It's okay. Does he get a free pass, or is he being messed around in a way? Is that easily fixable as well? I'll, I will answer. That. Let me just say because yeah. I'm going to say something which I th- which is which initially may sound very stupid, but actually has has substance to it. <laughs> we will beat United tomorrow by scoring more goals than they do. Now, obviously, that's how you win football matches. <laughs> thank you, Paul Merson. Thank you. But, but Michael Owen, sorry. Yeah. yeah, but it's about the approach. If we consider that United's attacking prowess is our priority, then we will. Then that's, that's how we will play. We'll wait for them to come on to us. Like, like um, uh, Asan said is we need to win it by having this intense attacking aggression. And so that's why my lineup is focused more towards that, is I would I would risk Cancelo's defensive frailties over the fact he offers more going forward than than than, than Ake does. I I would I would play Foden over Maris to begin with, because I think that in in terms of that attacking prowess and the fear that can put into into a defence and the pace, the speed we do it at, that has more impact. So, so, so to come to Foden, um, I don't know. I'm, it, it, it upsets me to see him not playing as well as I know he can play, mm. and I, and I think that possibly he kind of is the sort of microcosm of what that bigger problem may be. Why, why is, why is what's, what's bothering Foden that we're not seeing the best of him. And He's I always think around. that, Fo- yeah. And I always think, I think Foden has more impact as a starter than a sub. Uh, stats may tell me, me otherwise, but he, Foden's not a kid anymore. He's still very young, Right. There's a certain point when, when you have to stop saying they're a young player, not based on their years, but based on the experience they've had as a footballer. Foden should be getting to the point as a player where he should start to expect that he is a regular starter and, and, and he has a set position. Because I think he's earned those stripes to do that. He's not quite in KDB territory yet. He's not quite in Rodri territory. But I think it is clearly having an impact on him. And we know what an absolute fanboy he is. If there is body language and, and unhappiness starting to creep into him as an individual, which I think we're seeing on the pitch... That has got to be addressed immediately with more with more kind of urgency 
than any other player in that team. And and I think that's why I want him to start tomorrow, even though I, I get it, he played 90 minutes on Wednesday because he he takes that stuff personally. And I'm not being sentimental, but I, I just think he holds a bigger threat to um, against United than, than Grealish does at the minute. I just think he's, the, uh, as a City fan, he, it just, to me, it, it makes, it's unfathomable that Phil Foden won't start the derby. And yet mm. I sit here on this podcast knowing 90, 95% that Phil Foden won't start the derby. And that's just, I've, I've heard, I've listened, I've read, I've taken on board everything about the addition of Haaland and the need for control in games of football. But I will just continually come back to the same thing. Maybe that makes me dumb and naive, but that's just the way that I am. Phil Foden's a better footballer than Jack Grealish. And in your biggest games, either you play both of them or you play Foden. But the idea that Foden sits on the bench and Jack plays, it's just, it's not, you're not picking your best team. Just not Mm. picking your best team. So I'm... But it's what they're I'm doing fearful. now that matters. Hey? Right now he's not. Right now who's not what? A better footballer. But he plays in a different way to Grealish. That, I don't think that's fair. I don't even think... I, I understand why you said that, Howard. He and is I'm, a better footballer. Yes, I agree with the, the basis of the argument, yeah. I, it's about I don't pep and form and training and all that, you know, and who he might pick. I don't know. I want to see him play because I agree with you, Asan. Derby days, some players get it more than others. He just, he, and I think he, he Pep's know. made that mistake in the past. You know when we lost 2-0 at home in an empty stadium? I remember. He picked a technical side because he thought it was in the empty stadium. But he didn't pick someone like, you know, players who got it. I don't I think Foden might not have started that one, I'm not sure. But he picked the wrong side for... It might be an empty stadium, but it was still Derby day. Mm. And Phil Foden will be up for Derby Day in focus. So, you know, I want to see him start. But I wonder if Pep goes always, at the moment, talking about it so much. I'm not saying Grealish has got form, because he hasn't got huge form. But I wonder how much... I want him to pick players who get the occasion as well, and I'm not sure he will. He'll look, no, at, it techni- he'll look at it technically. Always looks at it with his, you know, his analytical mind over everything else. Maybe I'm being really, really, really harsh on Riyad and on uh, Grealish, but in a big game, in a big moment, I'd want Foden ahead of both of them. Mm. That's just the way I feel. I just I feel as though in his short so far Manchester City career, Phil Foden has shown me against Paris Saint-Germain, against peak Liverpool teams, against peak United teams, against, you know, against Dortmund, in champion, big champ. He's shown me in every level, in every stadium, in every situation that he's cold, his eyes cold, and he just plays at a level that is really, really, really high. Neither Grealish nor Mares for me, have that consistency of performing in big games. So, so who's, your, who's your ideal front three then? If, if there's no circumstances, you can just choose your front three for tomorrow. I'd play Foden and Mares. So would I, I'd, yeah. I'd play Foden mm. on the left. I'd yeah. play Mares on the right. I'd play Haaland up front. I'd play Bernardo, KDB, Rodri. I personally, uh, as counterintuitive as it sounds, I'd play Ake at left back and Lewis at right back. And I'd go, I'd go for the idea that for United to 
get the better of us, they have to get the ball off us. So I'd play a team that effectively you can't take the ball off. And I think that that's where Lewis becomes, and I know it's mad to say because no, he wasn't I understand even an option that. six I weeks ago, that. but yeah. Lewis becomes the guy who ensures that no matter what the press is, the ball keeps moving and we keep recycling the ball. And if you press us on the right, we'll, we'll pop the ball back to the left and then suddenly somebody else is in space on the other side. I'd play all the footballers tomorrow. I think my worry with playing Walker and Cancelo at right back and left back is that if United press high and those lads aren't on it, we won't control the ball from the back. Mm. I think I think it being an open game isn't. I mean, obviously, making predictions like this is very dangerous because you just it's so unpredictable, especially a derby mm. game. But it being an open game is not necessarily the end of the world. Pep might see I want it, it to be in... He'll be I uncomfortable it, about it, but they've done us on the counter attack so many times in the past. Exactly. Like, I want it to be, I want it to be open in so far as I expect Man United to press high and to take risks in their play. So what I would like to see City do is respond in kind. What I don't want City to do is to turn up going, well, we'll play a little bit slower and a little bit deeper and there'll be a little bit of a handbrake on the wingers and we'll just kind of feel like... Because 20, 25 minutes into that game, you don't want to give Old Trafford a reason to be up on their feet. You don't want to give United a goal head start. You don't... The, the thing that I'd be absolutely devastated about is that we have, even with Ten Hag, the fear factor, we still control that. Let's not forget they were 4-0 down at half time two and a half months mm. ago. So that fear factor, we can't let them settle into that game tomorrow. You can't get to 25 minutes with City not having had a shot on target, with not having had multiple penetrations into their box. Because if we don't do that, that's what will give United confidence. I would we propose... We don't score many early goals though, do we? Is that a worry for you at all? It, it is. Well, I was going to say something about that. I think there's a reason for that. I would propose that we've become a little bit more emotional as a, as a team this season. And in that the we Southampton ensured that we became anxious as a team on Wednesday. And that's why we were so lacking in confidence because we let that, the players let that press, let that like urgency impact on them. And as soon as a few passes went astray, you could see the whole, the whole team just dropped in confidence. What I want to see on Saturday is a bit more of that cold machine that we've been for so for seasons and seasons. Now that doesn't mean that we become overly pragmatic and conservative. It means we just play without fear because we know everything is in place. And that's why I want a starting 11 who is most familiar with that machine-like formation, that mm. machine-like attitude. That's what that that's what I'm looking for. I, I agree, Asan, is is that you know, United will be full of confidence. And the best thing they can do is forget that we absolutely slapped them in the last derby. And also the fact that United also know that even though they scored three goals, we absolutely gifted it to them. What? But more importantly, City need to remember that. That last time we played this team, yes, it had Harry Maguire in it. Yes, they were all over the place. We absolutely destroyed them because we because we were an absolute machine with that. And if they don't take that mentality 
into the first 10 minutes of the game, we're going to have challenges. That's why I think we've not been scoring as many get goals in the first 15, 20 minutes because we, it feels like we've become a little oversensitive, a little bit too reactive towards what the opposition team is doing. Just flick the switch, let the machine kick in mm. again and I go into auto drive. I think that's a symptom of of the handbrake. Uh, it's it's something that again, until somebody proves me wrong, I'm I'm going to remain consistent in my feeling that we're playing with a handbrake on this season. Uh, as a consequence of adding Haaland to the side, Guardiola has said as much in press conferences, and I think that's the problem. I, I just do not think we're a team built to play conservatively. And for me, this is almost the most conservative version of Pep Ball that we've had since he came in. And I'm not sure that that's, you can't, it just, it's so counterintuitive. You add the best number nine in the world to a squad that almost needed nothing else. Left back notwithstanding, that's the only missing piece, puzzle piece in Mm. this team. So you add not just the missing link, but you add the most powerful version of the missing link that you can have. And then your reaction to that is to shit the bed and go, well, I'm going to put a handbrake on everybody because I don't really think we can control games like this. I'm just, it's, it's not working for me. And tomorrow I am concerned that conservatism will be in full flow again for this match. But we, yeah, tomorrow, I mean, it'll be look, and I, I'm, I'm very much uh, a person who is fickle and I constantly contradict myself because the reality is that if we win tomorrow, I'll be the first guy on the review going, we're amazing. We're going to win the league. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm but, fully aware that our job as supporters is to be occasionally inconsistent. But also, um, but also to be fair, there is an inherent contradiction that runs through the way Guardiola plays, which we have to embrace. Control is the, in many ways, is the ally of risk, okay? So in that, um, we our, our system can break down immediately, right? In that, the way we pass the ball around, we keep control of the ball the whole time. One stray pass, the whole system can break down, and that's how teams can counterattack against us. So control is based on managing risk, so when Guardiola picks a conservative lineup that is there to tackle the, the, the threat the other, the other team can present, he's not managing risk. He's avoiding it at all costs. And it's a bad, bad habit, which he started to do more this season. So I, I, I'm always aware of the fact that our beautiful play could, could also at any point break down and it is fragile any quality play is like that but i'm okay with that because nine times out of ten it it works i'm also concerned howard that he's going to come in pragmatic that he's going to let wednesday feed into his mentality and we're going to see a very safe lineup i'm concerned and that will just deject me from the beginning you know what i would say though having been so massively negative throughout this podcast um the one thing that this team has shown consistently is that they react they have lost Mm. much Mm. bigger games in a cup competition and gone into much more high pressure league games the following weekend and basically won the league game and shown that yeah. they can react. Mm. So it wasn't about, it wasn't about the loss on Wednesday. It was about the performance. No, no you're, you're right. And at the back of my mind is the thought that Pep saying he felt they just weren't up for Wednesday. 
mm. is perhaps because they didn't care for that Wednesday game. Yeah, yeah. and the derby's coming up, and you and know, this one, of course, yeah, is not on the same planet as yeah, no. motivation wise. And everybody's going to want to play it, but that's where I'm a little bit, you know, I just. I hope that I hope that that conversation that I was talking about at the top of the podcast goes on at the beginning of training today because I think that you the carrot and the stick sometimes you need the stick I worry right now a lot of these players need a carrot a lot of these players need an arm around mm. the shoulder even mm. if you're not going to pick them I think that you need to mollycoddle them a little bit I think that you need to remind them all of how good they actually are because yeah. I fear I fear that the kind of the malaise is is almost a byproduct of players not quite believing that they're as good as they thought they were even three months ago. Yeah, I, 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 and I would I would make I would ask Guardiola to swallow a bit of his own medicine and say, Pep, no sad faces. Okay, starting with yours, mm. no sad faces. Get them motivated. Remind them of what they are about and remind yourself of, of what they're about. Because I, I, I know it's out of context, but often when we're playing shit and the camera pans to, to Guardiola and he, and he, he looks all, almost bemused by it. Uh, and I know it's out of context and I, I know, I know it's kind of made to, to, to look that way. Um, but yeah, I just, he, he, he needs to lead on that attitude shift. And then the players can, you know, will follow. But also, I think there's enough leaders in that. We haven't got company anymore. We haven't got Fernie anymore. There's still enough leaders in there to be able to impose a change in attitude. Absolutely. As always, time catches up with us. So we end with the dreaded score prediction. <laughs> Asa. I'll start. Superstition does not allow... This is a right cop-out by me. Superstition does not allow me to be bullish in Predictor City win. So I'm going for 2 all. Oh, Howard. So I was going to say that I have never not predicted a win in a derby preview, but I was going to go with 2-2. But right. since you've gone with 2-2, I will go with 1-1. Desmond Sullivan. Uh, Chris? You heretics, the pair of you. I am going to go 2-1 City win. Go on, lad. Take that. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any faith in Spurs? Doing us a favour this weekend? Uh, no, no. I just I think Zero. Arsenal. Are, yeah, I think Arsenal are um, in a good moment, in a really, really good moment. So I expect them to to beat Spurs. Okay. Yeah, I do. Right, that is a wrap. Hey, San, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tolerating me for this long. I appreciate yeah, it's, it. It's, it's, no problem. It was easy. <laughs> Chris, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you both. Despite everything, that was a lot of fun, and I am I am looking forward to the game now. Less so that more so than I was <laughs> like two hours ago. So it's a derby, in it. Fuck it, come on, it's a derby. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, speak for yourself. Uh, I'm, off, <laughs> I'm off to smash my router up with a hammer and sit in a cave with a KFC until Saturday evening. Uh, imagine looking forward to derby day, you absolute weirdos. Uh, until next time, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Hope you all have the best weekend ever. And more than ever, Asan. Up the blues! <laughs>